You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking about the OPT model as we go through our series on the OPT model. Today we're going to be doing uh, OPT model flexibility. So let's talk about the flexibility continuum and try to understand a little bit more about flexibility, not necessarily as it's defined and things like that, soft tissue extensibility, uh, but we are really looking at the continuum and where certain exercises and certain stretches fit within the OPT model. And as you know, you listen to this last episode, OPT model comes up. We've got three different levels in the OPT model, stabilization, strength, and power. And it just so happens that there are three levels in the integrated flexibility continuum that NASM uses. And within that, there is the first one, the overarching one that you're going to see is corrective flexibility. The next one is active flexibility. And then the final one is functional flexibility. And the techniques that are being used fall within those. So for instance, if we go to corrective flexibility, I like this where it makes things a little bit simple. Like, so corrective flexibility is designed to address overly short muscles through something called autogenic inhibition. A ding, 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 ding. Those are one of the words that you will see if you have not yet taken your examination. Autogenic inhibition. That's where the mechanoreceptors within the muscle that you are stretching are responsible for getting that muscle to relax. So what happens is that you stretch the muscle, the muscle spindles get stretched, they don't like it, they tighten, and it holds it there. But after about 30 seconds, the Golgi tendon organ doesn't like the tension. Remember, tendon and tension. Golgi tendon organ doesn't like the tension. So it says, there's a lot of tension here. I feel safe though, let me relax. Once it relaxes, then you can go deeper into that stretch. But as you go deeper into the stretch, the muscle spindle becomes activated and it will tighten again in order to protect the muscle, the joint, the tendons, the body, the soft tissue. So we use corrective flexibility to address these overly short muscles. That might be the hip flexors, it might be the pecs and the lats, kind of these calves, typically overactive muscles, things that you're going to see, but we're all going to identify these through the means of an assessment, which is not what we're talking about today. We are talking about what's happening here. So let's go to, first of all, overview, corrective flexibility addresses overly short muscles through autogenic inhibition. There are two techniques in corrective flexibility. Corrective flexibility will use self-myofascial rolling and static stretching. Self-myofascial rolling is just using something like a foam roller. And again, there's nothing magical about foam. You can use pretty much anything designed to do these muscular releases as a means to create it. I mean, I've, I've used all sorts of things, including tennis balls and lacrosse balls, using golf balls for the bottom of my feet, the hooks in order to get to my back. There are a lot of different ways these, these self-myofascial rolling techniques can be done. And it's really about creating um, ischemic pressure. So just putting pressure into it and holding it for about 30 seconds. 
The other technique is actually a stretching technique. Self-myofascial rolling is not a stretching technique. It is an inhibitory technique, but static stretching is indeed a stretching technique where we go and we stretch the muscle. It's usually what you think about when you think about stretching. And the NASM OPT model says we're going to hold a stretch for how long? Say it out loud or in your head. 30 seconds, right? So we're going to do a 30 second hold and that's going to be for one to three repetitions. Now, if you're looking at correcting a flexibility imbalance, adding those extra sets will be really helpful. I like to do the 30 second hold. It's something you can hold a little bit longer, but uh, the research doesn't actually show that holding it for that much longer helps that much more, but the touch points do. So when you get the higher repetitions, that does become more helpful. Uh, I think it's a great idea as people go into these stretches and they hold them to really focus on their breathing, to try to relax into it. That helps to get the tension down. Also noticing that there's tension. If you ever do things like a plank and you notice that your hands are balled up tight, you tightening your hands are not supportive for you while you're doing the plank. So just relax the hand. Stop spending energy in places that you don't need to expend energy. And the same thing goes with stretching. We tend to go into a stretch and all sorts of things tighten up, including your face. I see your face when you're stretching. Everybody's making the stretch face. I know it might be uncomfortable. Don't stretch that far into it if it's uncomfortable. Get to the first resistance barrier. Get there and hold it, but only get to the position that you feel comfortable holding for 30 seconds. Then after usually sometimes 15, 20 seconds, it might be the full 30 seconds, you'll feel the relaxation take place, continue to hold it for 30 seconds, which isn't a hard thing to do, but your clients may not agree with that statement. Your clients may find it absolutely insufferable to hold something for 30 seconds, cheapers, creepers, holding that for 30 seconds, doing nothing, I haven't burned a single calorie. It's all right. We are trying to lengthen muscles. We are not trying to burn calories while doing these flexibility drills. So we're going to correct some flexibility imbalances, hold it for 30 seconds, and make sure, put the timer on your watch. I have countdown time. Listen, I pull it up right now. It's the first thing that's up right there on my watch. Can you see it? 30 seconds. I do countdown 30 seconds regularly. And that way they cannot do the old one to skip a few 30 technique. So we're going to hold for 30 seconds and get that stretch designed for what? For creating length, lengthening these overly shortened muscles. That usually will take place during the stabilization phase because in the stabilization phase, that's where most people are starting out. We're building stability around muscles. We're building stability around joints. We're building strength in the tendons to support the heavier lifts that we're going to be doing later. Neurologically, we are exercising things through repetition to focus on technique and form and how we perform an exercise, not just calories burned, calories burned, calories burned. I know you're obsessed, ladies and gentlemen. But we're working on movement. When you move better, you become more efficient, then we can work on the inefficiency of exhaustion and exp uh, expelling calories if that is your goal, but also realize that if your goal for expelling calories is for weight loss, which is the only reason that you would focus on that, uh, unless you were doing for the purposes of metabolic training, how many calories am I burning in a cardiorespiratory exercise, then 
ultimately what you're doing is you're trying to become more efficient at movement. When you burn calories for weight loss, you are basically working on inefficiency. How inefficient can I work so that I'm using a lot of calories that I wouldn't otherwise need? Uh, and so that is mostly done through diet and through excellence and strength training. It is done well in anaerobic activities, but I would hold off doing and introducing yourself to these high intensity anaerobic activities until you build up to it. So get a cardio base. And again, that will go with the OPT model as well. But as we finish that corrective exercise, we want to move on into the next one. So it's corrective, active, and functional or dynamic. So corrective, active, and functional are the kind of the overarching um, categories that we'll be looking at. And then there are techniques that fall into that category. So for instance, corrective flexibility is that category. The techniques are self-myofascial rolling and static stretching. Active, we're going to do active flexibility. So there are two types of techniques. So there are, and they're named, one is self-myofascial rolling, which can still help you. And then there's active flexibility. And so self-myofascial rolling, when you do it for active, you, you may even be moving. You may say, okay, before, when I first did my SMR, all I did is find a spot, hold it for 30 seconds on a spot, go to the next spot, but just don't move, stay there you get to active, you might start moving a little bit more. You might pin and stretch. So find a place on your quads and then bend your knee. Oh, it hurts. I felt it. I had an imaginary hurt. I had a phantom pain by doing that. I know it can be intense. So what I suggest, if you feel like it's too intense, take two foam rollers, put them side by side. And yes, you're pushing on two different places on your leg, but Doing that also disperses the amount of pressure because pressure is mass over area. So you increase the area, it decreases how much weight is going into any one area. And then you get a twofer. So you get to, to do a pin and stretch at two different locations on your thigh. Those active flexibility, you can, you can do the SMR where you foam roll it, pin and stretch. It's a pretty good technique. And then you follow it with the actual stretching technique. So again, Putting pressure on something isn't a stretch. Well, pin and stretch is because technically at this point you are moving and decreasing the angle around the joint, stretching the muscle. But then an active stretch is a technique where you're going to hold a position like, a, let's say like a hip flexor stretch. I'm going to do a kneeling hip flexor stretch. I do a posterior tilt. I get a stretch on the front of my quads and my hip flexors, but it's my glute. I'm actively posterior tilting. I'm contracting my glute and I'm going to hold for one to two seconds and then I'm back off of it. I go and I activate the opposite muscle. I'm using my glute to stretch my hip flexor and my hamstring stretch. I might be doing a straight leg hamstring stretch, or I might be doing a bent knee and then extend my knee. It is my quad and that bent knee stretch that is stretching the hamstring. It is an active stretch. They're done relatively slowly. No dynamics going on here. You hold for one to two seconds at your end position. You do five to 10 repetitions. And instead of doing something called autogenic inhibition, which is what we did in the static stretching, we're going to be doing reciprocal inhibition. Reciprocal. Remember in math class when uh, you were multiplying fractions, you had to get the reciprocal. So you're gonna. that means the other side, the flip side of it. 
So the flip side is my quad is engaging to stretch my hamstring and it is reciprocally inhibiting. The quad being active is creating um, a down regulation of activation in my hamstrings. Yeah, you won't know that for long because as soon as you get to a certain point, your quads are firing and your hamstrings are going, whoa, I can't go any further than that. And that's fine. There is then a co-contraction, but it is your quad giving range of motion, strength to your newfound range of motion that you did when you did your correctives. So you did corrective for new range of motion. Active is giving strength to your new range of motion. If you don't give strength, if you don't utilize your new range of motion, you create something that uh, Shirley Saruman refers to uh, in her book that she wrote ages ago. And we follow her. She's done wonders in uh, exercise science. Uh, mostly physical therapy, which this is pulled from, is she calls it naive flexibility. Flexibility for flexibility's sake. It doesn't do anything. You're just bendy. And uh, and so you're trying to get somewhere with a flexibility that is unneeded. Now, and that that's fine if you're doing uh, certain things, but it, it won't last long. So if you add strength to your range of motion, then you have purpose in that movement that flexibility will stay. There's more staying power to that flexibility because it's utilized. So corrective, active, and then functional flexibility is just being able to dynamically move and live your life in a functional manner. So squats could be a functional flexibility, lunges, walking around, doing step ups. Those are functional movements, functional flexibility, but there are techniques that fall under functional flexibility. Yes, you can do SMR, self-myofascial rolling, and that could be a little more functional with its flexibility so you can have a little bit more dynamics than you maybe had when you were doing your active techniques. But then you get to dynamic, and this is the dynamic stretching. So we had static stretching under corrective, we had active stretching under active, we've got dynamic stretching that falls under the functional flexibility category. And these are things that you might see more athletic. So uh, when you're getting ready for a game, you're getting ready for a match, you see people doing leg swings and uh, uh, Frankenstein walks and butt kicks and high knees. That's all dynamic flexibility. If you look at the OPT model, corrective goes with stabilization. Uh, the active flexibility goes with strength training because active flexibility literally is strength training for flexibility. And then dynamic flexibility goes in the power phase. In the power phase, kind of post-max power, you don't necessarily want to do some of these other ones. You want to be a little bit more dynamic. You want to keep the, um, uh, the, the stretch shortening cycle very much alive in that. So you're not down-regulating that through static stretching. You are doing these for 10 to 15 repetitions, three to 10 exercises of dynamic flexibility. And again, that dynamic flexibility will be able to help you as you prepare, not just for your power phase exercises, but power exercises, which usually are very heavy or rapid. And the rapid training is more of your sports performance training. And those dynamic stretches go very well in the sports performance training. With that said, this is a continuation, and we will continue to talk about the NASM OPT model and the different 
components of exercise that fall within the OPT model. So this flexibility, as we move on, there will be core balance, reactive or plyometric training, speed, agility, and quickness, resistance training. We're going to break down all of those over the next few weeks in this OPT model series. So I want to say thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so. Hit me up on Instagram or threads at dr.rickritchie or email rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Keep inspiring people to fitness. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.